0: This is Sales Ops Demystified, the number one most downloaded podcast in sales operations. We invite the brightest minds in sales ops onto the show to deconstruct the what, why, and how behind rep productivity, forecasting metrics and all things revenue this podcast is brought to you by evsa a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement and is sponsored by the global sales operations association and the uk revenue operations network Hello, and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we're joined by someone who has a rich, diverse background pre-joining Sales Ops, yet still has... Well, Sales and RevOps, I should say. Um, yet still has a number of years' experience in the space and also seems to be so young. Jeff,
1: welcome to the show. Appreciate the, uh, the invite. I'm glad to be here and uh, hopefully contribute to your audience's learning.
0: So we're currently Head of Revenue and Growth Operations, and we're definitely going to dig into what we believe the difference is between those two um, at Upkeep. But before this, actually before your previous businesses, you have experience in finance and consulting. I would like to ask how that experience has
1: aided you in the sales slash RevOps world. I think it's a great question. At the time, you know, when I worked in those careers, uh, I couldn't have foreseen that I'd be in RevOps you know, 10 years later. But I started my career at Accenture, uh, which is a management consulting firm, primarily focused on solving business problems. And I worked in their technology division, primarily supporting the media and entertainment studios. We built custom marketing software in, and platforms back before there was cloud software. Almost everything was on-prem through EDI as opposed to API. I think what helped me there in in that career were a couple things. One is how to be uh, customer centric in working in a customer facing environment. As a consultant, you're 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 working as a knowledge worker, providing you know intellectual capital to some interesting problems that these enterprises are looking to solve. The second part is really just documentation, uh, documentation to an extreme. So change management, uh, providing requirement documentation. If you think about the phases of any implementation. They start off with, what's the business problem you're trying to solve? What are those requirements? Can we then build specific- uh, the functional specifications that are signed off, go through technical specifications, go through a build and or configuration of the turnkey system, deployment, and really providing change management and ongoing support. All things that RevOps do today. So it was really, really critical. Uh, the second career that I, you know, I was in is FP&A. Um, so after my received my MBA from the University of Michigan, I went to work at Intel and over at Google. At Intel, I was an intern for their Intel capitals, their internal VC group. That was an interesting uh, experience. So we're really working through um, investing in companies or finding M and As or mergers, um, really developing some VCs with my management partners. And then at Google, I supported the sales organization, so it all sort of came full circle. Um, there, I was responsible for supporting their enterprise group. Now, instead of their ads and you know what they're most famous for, we sold as a horizontal sales channel across different vertical product lines. So, uh, Chromebooks, Google Apps, Google Maps, Cloud. Uh, and at the time, um, you know, I really didn't really appreciate what it would lead to. But I specialized in a couple of things: uh, territories, incentive design, quotas. Um, unit economics, forecasting, budgeting. Um, so all those things really came to um, come to define you know, at least a great starting point for me in Sales ops.
0: And so I assume the uh, passion or enjoyment for those parts of the Google role drove you into the the next two roles, which is where you actually started to specialize in sales ops.
1: Well, so, what got me interested in sales ops was that before finance and before business school, I actually was in sales myself. I was a successful uh, talent acquisition kind of recruiting partner, and I was a failed commercial real estate sales rep. So, experience boom and bust <laughs> um, in sales. And so, when I landed back in um, sales finance, uh, I came to appreciate what my sales operations partners were doing. Um, oftentimes, finance and sales ops work together on a lot of different projects from commissions to planning to capacity modeling, all those uh, all those pieces, those requirements that the sales team and the finance team need in order to have a convincing and uh, great plan for board and, and the investors. Um, and so um, I appreciated what they did. I came to see that they were much closer to the customer than I was in, in a finance role. And so I took great interest in learning a lot more about what sales operations was doing. And it led me down this path of figuring out, is this something for me? And eventually, I made the decision to to make the move to to a sales ops role. So
0: it actually all makes sense, doesn't it? The background in consulting, finance, and sales all colliding together. Now, the first, uh, what I believe to be the first delegated sales ops role at a company called Visia, or Visia, if I'm not pronouncing that right. Um, You took headcount from 150 reps. To 450 reps, I believe.
1: That's total what? overall uh, employee headcount, actually.
0: Go okay, so that's true. yeah, not not sales reps, but employee headcount. So I assume the sales rep count scaled uh, in a similar fashion, right? So three x, or, or, or interestingly, with that lower, with the the multiple of increase for reps lower or higher than the average for the business.
1: So revenue by the time when the time I came in and the time I entered, revenue multiplied by seven x. Um and the headcount was commensurately I think increased by two and a half or three X. Got it. Cool. Yeah, we, we expanded the different types of roles too. By then, um, you know, originally we had solution consultants, sales um, sales reps or account executives, SDRs uh, who were, were primarily on an outbound basis, um, and then we expanded that to uh, inbound uh, LDRs uh, or lead development reps. Um, we started moving to channel, so we we had some channel partners. That we were working with. And we started to um, in, uh, introduce the customer account management role, which was selling to existing customers. So a whole new host of populations. Sure.
0: What do you think the core role that sales ops played... Well, the, the, your sales ops function played in that growth? And I know it's quite a nebulous, non-specific question. But do you kind of see what I'm trying to get at? I'm, I'm trying to understand that if there was either a less effective or no sales ops team in the business during that growth period. Or what, would ha- what would have happened? What would have been different?
1: I think it's a very interesting question. We use that very same tactic in our sales motion itself. So we say, you know, you have maintenance and reliability needs. I, I work at a company that sells maintenance software. We ask why upkeep? Why now? It actually portends to a question of, you know, what are you trying to solve for? And specifically, why are we the vendor of choice? You can also say, you know, why sales ops? Why now? Um, I'd say a couple of things. Um, when I first came into Vizier, I was a first-time sales ops um, kind of professional, so I was really a novice. Uh, I brought a whole host of analytical and um, analytical and planning and and finance skills. I didn't really have the sales force background, the technology that a lot of my sales ops peers uh, started with. So I started from a different um, angle of the spectrum, and so. What I provided there and what the business needed at that time was really insight into their productivity, their ramp, uh, their forecasting, because they were selling enterprise product to, to buyers who did not necessarily have a seat at the table nor an earnest budget to, to acquire a tool like Visier or Platform. And so the analysis that I brought in the door was really diving deeply into our sales motion itself, really getting to know what our ICP was and getting a sense for what the top of the funnel should look like and then cascading that all the way down to our close wins. And so what that provided to us was the ability to capacity plan, to allocate resources, to identify how can we shorten the amount of time it takes to ramp sales reps. Um, And it gave us the the confidence to go out and say, this is our recruiting plan, this is our training plan, these are the number of heads, this is where they're going to sit this is going to be what territories they own, what accounts they have, and here's the expected productivity level that we can we could have from that. And so that allowed us to grow beyond the 10 million ARR mark uh, all the way up to you know past 50. Um, and so it helped tremendously uh, because at the time we were still identifying what is our ICP, what is our messaging, what what hits, what doesn't, and when we would launch new products every year, um, and then we'd have to go through that same exercise all over again.
0: Do you think it it does sit with Sales ops to really refine the
1: ICP? I think it's a partnership. I don't think any one person owns it, but I do think it's a collective. I think it sits between um, product marketing and sales. Sales ops can um, obviously be in prime position to to bring in data to the conversation, and whenever you have data that you know you can mine, you can refine and find some insights through. That kind of informs the conversation. Yeah, the, the reason I ask is
0: it is one of the most crucial things that a, a B2B commercial organization has to do. And I, I, I think that was definitely the right answer in that it shouldn't just be one department or one individual that defines that as a collaboration and sales ops. Like The individual reps like have the data in their heads, but maybe they're not... Yeah, it should be the, the sales ops role or the, the sales lead role to kind of pull that from the reps, take that to the discussions with marketing or with product. So, totally agree. Now, next, I want to switch on to your technical skills. Now, I'm, I'm on your LinkedIn profile, and I can see that you are a Salesforce admin and also have some certification around Tableau. At what point in your career was it was this pre-sales ops or post kind of moving sales ops that you got these, and how crucial do you think it is for someone in sales ops to have that kind of skill set?
1: So I've always had a penchant for for you know, leaning into technology. I think going back in the high school, I would learn how to H, write HTML code on um, on blogs uh Blogger, for example. When I was in commercial real estate, um, I didn't earn a salary. Actually, it was a 100% commission role, so I had to I had to find a way to provide income um, for myself. And so I would install uh, open source software. I don't don't post this on my LinkedIn, but at the time, I learned um, Magento. Magento is an e-commerce shopping cart, and uh, WordPress and uh, Sugar CRM. So I would work with local nonprofits. Offer my services, and, and if it worked well, they would pay me. If it didn't work well, they didn't, they didn't have to owe me anything. Um, so I learned to just how to file, put files uploaded into an FTP server and just kind of really got technical there. Um, in finance, you're going to be a, a, an Excel wonk, right? You, you know, everyone works in spreadsheets. Um, when I worked at Google, I left the world of Excel and moved towards Google Sheets. Um, the query function is probably the most powerful thing that's out there. And at Google, I you know, taught SQL classes for my fellow finance peers. Uh, that was a really fun experience. Uh, really learning what SQL is all about, because there's a whole host of data that we we open sourced internally. You just had to learn how to mine that data and having those SQL skills uh, was was extremely powerful. I learned Python later on. Um, I realized I was working a lot of hours that with a lot of repetitive tasks. And so Python was a way for me to automate some of those tasks, shrink what took five hours down to five minutes and allowed me that breadth of additional time to spend on the strategic questions in the business. Um, Salesforce came later. Um, In fact, my first sales ops job, I was not a Salesforce admin. I was the director of sales ops. And so we had a Salesforce developer. And I had to learn... The way I learned the guts of Salesforce was actually through uh, mining the data through an API call uh, through Python and learning how all the different quote-unquote objects related to each other. And then designing those requirements using my experience from Accenture, my very first job into this is what we want to do. Here's how we want to do it in terms of the technical specs and then throwing that over the fence to my Salesforce developer who would then provide feedback back to me and says that won't work for this and this and that reason. So it took me you know, a, a, a couple of months actually of trial and error, uh, building a relationship with this developer that I actually de facto learned Salesforce as well. And then I went off and went to San Francisco to take a, um, an admin cert as well. And, and that was what cemented my experience um, in, in administration. And then over the years, I've just been consulting on the side on top of my uh, full-time job. If I have uh, you know, any bandwidth at all, um, there I'll provide um, you know more Salesforce administration type consulting. Um, and so why, why do I think it's important? Um, I think depending on your level, if you're getting into sales ops, I think it's critically important. You know, especially if you're a Series A, Series B company where you don't have the luxury of having you know a dedicated person, um, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to roll up your sleeves and do a lot of things yourselves. Um, you know, working your sandbox testing environment before you change set anything over in the production. You always want to test these things. Um, I think it's critically important you have the skills. As you move up in your career, you know you're not necessarily the one doing the administration, um, or if the company's larger, um, that your scope of your role probably becomes much more narrow, uh, and so. The technical skills may not be what you hang your hat on, but I do think having an understanding and being able to speak the same language as your technical peers, um, because your stakeholders, your sales leaders, your marketing leaders are going to ask you some really interesting, complex business questions, but they don't really care about the technical details. You have to be that translation layer, that liaison with your technical audience. So I think it's critically important that you have an ability to at least be fluent in two different languages, business and technical.
0: For a Salesforce person listening that is not currently fluid technically, where would you suggest they
1: start? Depends on which camp you're in. Um, you know, The two big CRMs out there are uh, HubSpot and Salesforce. So if you're in the HubSpot camp, um, I'd go you know, immediately go to HubSpot Academy. If you're in the Salesforce camp, go to Salesforce Trailhead and uh, don't sleep for a couple of weeks. <laughs> You learn, you learn your best, and I guarantee you, anyone who's in sales ops listening to this, there's, there's, that, that, uh, they do their best work after 6pm.
0: Got it. So going back to the, the, the working timeline of, of Jeff, post Vigia, there was patient pop. But then post-patient pop, this was the first role where you shifted to revenue operations. With that, with the revenue operations role formed before you joined, or did you join and then decide to formulate this this kind of almost combined operation
1: post joining? So Upkeep is in an interesting position, right? Um, so let's go back a little bit. Um, so Vizier, sales ops, um, but partnering very heavily with with marketing operations. Um, one of my great peers and someone I respect. Uh, very much so today still. Richard, Richard uh, Wassilinichek, that's a crazy last name, um, but he also tangentially taught me a lot of marketing operations. So um, top of the funnel, really working through ABM, uh, really mining through top of the funnel, steel threading all the way to the sales funnel. And then at Patient Pop, I was head of the, the channel operations group. So I'm um, selling indirectly through a reseller program. Um, actually, a lead re- deal registration referral program, um, eventually moving on to adding resellers. And so um, at Patient Pop, I led the entire sales ops group, um, and we partnered quite a bit with marketing ops as well. There was only one resource there. And so at Upkeep, give credit to Upkeep, right? Uh, It's a young company, it's on the rise. Got some, has some great investors, and I think a great message. And so they saw early on that in order to be successful, they wanted to have an integrated handoff, a customer experience from marketing to sales to customer success. Because if you're a customer, you really almost don't care if you're talking to someone in marketing or sales or customer success because in their mind, they're just thinking, I need to solve a problem. I need to acquire a solution. I need to learn how to use this solution and then evangelize and have it adopted throughout my organization. And if you look at that language, they're totally different from marketing, sales, and CS. We think very much about the business internally that we get locked into, okay, now it's in this funnel. Now is moving the sales funnel. And now it's moving to our customer success, uh, implementation and customer success teams. Um, when you start thinking about the customer, uh, you start thinking about, naturally, I think revenue operations isn't going to come into the picture.
0: That's such a good way of explaining it. You know, it's driven by the customer. And the customer doesn't care if you're speaking to a rep, a CS rep, or someone in marketing. Can you explain the difference between revenue and growth operations?
1: Uh, so it's actually I just think it's a long winded title, um, but um, there's a couple of things, right? So if you think about growth hacking or um, you know digital growth managers. Um, that's primarily focused on developing growth strategies. Um, so campaigns, really thinking through how are those going to impact the funnel revenue. You know I think is a misnomer personally. I actually think it's you know value operations because you're trying to extract value, provide value from the customer and to the customer. Revenue is a lagging indicator. Um, but we, we all get what it really means. right? It's, it's really um, working, partnering and serving the go-to-market leaders. Uh, for most companies, it's going to be your head of marketing, your head of sales, your head of customer success. And in some organizations, you're partnering and working with your finance team as well. Um, so there's, it's a miasma of what it could be for any organization. Uh, the revenue operations, um, you know, quite frankly, a lot of folks are in sales operations jobs today, and they're doing revenue operations. They just don't have the label. Totally agree.
0: Now, I have two questions left, and we're going to have to do them quite, quite fast. Um, the, the first is coming back to your role today, and. Specifically, something that often sales leaders or even company leadership will push down to the sales or marketing team that they'll ask, Why are we not rated higher than XY competitor on Captera, on G2Crowd, on Gartner? You guys are rated number one. Any quick tips on how somebody in revenue or sales ops can kind of help facilitate that for their business?
1: So, that's a great thing about. You know, partnering with your customers, right? Earning that customer love. Um, so you can build programs, but at the end of the day, it really falls under, um, your customer engagement experiences. So CS and your product marketing teams. Um, not everyone's always going to review you. So asking for folks to review you in earnest and with candor, uh, is critically important. So you just have to simply ask and make it part of your process when you're going through your customer engagement or your health scores. Um, just at, Just talk to them. Say, hey, would you mind giving us uh, a rating on G2 or Capterra? Um, same thing. We th- we find those channels to be critically important for our success, and uh, they're great partners. Sure. A final question: Who,
0: in the world of sales or RevOps, would you like to take for lunch?
1: Wow. Uh, so there's a lot of peer, There are many peers that I enjoy, uh, you know, talking to. Um, on LinkedIn, I'd say uh, Rosalind Santelena, uh, someone I correspond with all the time. Uh, I love to grab lunch with her. I haven't met her in person, actually, as well. Um, Hillary Headley over at Zoom. Uh, she's also part of the uh, the Emergent Capital um, portfolio family of companies. Uh, she's, I think, gone through a tremendous journey. You know, Zoom 10x overnight with the pandemic. I, I can't even imagine what her and her team are going through. Um, so... I would love to pick her brain on that whole experience as well.
0: Yeah, we really do need to try and get Hillary onto the show. She has been recommended by a couple of people, and it would be a fascinating story. Um, Jeff, I want to thank you for coming on um, and sharing quite—I think—two or three really impactful points. I loved the way you described the trend or drive towards revenue operations being coming from the customer. I also loved the way. You or or your point about sales ops needing to speak, well, obviously the business language you would expect that, but then also uh, translate to the technical language. And I do totally agree that either the HubSpot or the Salesforce sales, force, sales people should be uh, starting work at six PM as they go to Trailhead or HubSpot Academy. So, Jeff, thank you
1: so much for coming on the show. Tom, appreciate the time, and uh, I'll be tuning in.